Dr. Adam Hadea, my man, joined us on this episode. It was really great to catch up with him and talk to him about um, all the uh, different things that's going on in his world when it comes to medicine, uh, pain management, opioid addiction, those kind of things. We, we got into that and just talked about life in general and you know what it's like to raise kids and, and all the challenges that life throws at you. So uh, a nice hour-long conversation with my good friend. Please enjoy this episode with the one and only Dr. Adam Hadea. Yeah, I saying congratulations on your house. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, our house has been just a mess, as you know. Um, we had that sewage backup, and uh, it's just been uh, one What's, thing after how the much, next. How much longer is going to? How much longer do they have? I think probably in a month, uh, two weeks to four weeks, will be livable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the master bathroom is being gutted. They got to fix the laundry room, a couple of bathrooms. Um, you know, I leave it up to Barry to do all that. She handles all that. I just kind of... You're just cutting the checks. I'm just a visitor. <laughs> exactly. The, 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 the doors are actually still unlocked when, when you get there. The, the sometimes, key, the key sometimes, works. right? The key you know still, how that is, right? The key still works. <laughs> right, right. It's a good day when the key works, No right? doubt, buddy. No right? doubt. No doubt. Hey, man, welcome. Thank welcome you. Welcome to the I'm show. Happy to We've be been here. talking about... You, you and I were talking about this well before I ever ever launched this thing yeah you know? a couple of years ago you wanted we to started get, we t- right like at least a year ago i told you about you it. told me about this i think yeah at least a year ago maybe two years ago i'm so proud of you man I, you oh, wanted man. to do this for for a while this was on your mind and you, you put it into action it's amazing you know, it's like uh I, I i was i've been a big big fan of the podcast just love the new medium you know this 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 ability to interact with people like you and your friends, strangers, and we can just broadcast out to the whole fucking world. Yeah, just like pretty, that, man. It's pretty interesting. We could talk about whatever we want. I know. There's no holds bar. Nothing, so what, nothing's off. What kind know. of feedback have you gotten from it at this point? Like, are you, it's, is it like, I mean, I don't, I don't really, you know, yeah, is, I'm not been, in, I don't do a lot of social yeah, you're media, not as you social, know. I don't yeah. do the Facebook yeah. thing anymore. I don't do you Instagram. might have to. Once, <laughs> once I get you going here on this podcast, you might you might feel differently. I don't know. Um no man, it's it's been uh, it's been great. The feedback's been very positive. Uh-huh. Overall, the feedback's been fantastic. I mean, overwhelmingly positive. You know, yeah. people texting, calling, emails, a lot of like messages on Facebook, um, texts from people I haven't heard from in a long time. Uh, people on Instagram reaching out. I've got, I've even had some people like companies already reach out and say, "Hey, would you want some free product to talk about on the show?" and and I'm not really ready for, for any of that stuff yet. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not doing this to make money. I'm right. doing this to talk to people and share stories, share messages, um, you know, inspire people, you know, yeah. learn about fitness, learn about health, learn about wellness, business. I mean, anything, man, self-motivation, self-improvement, uh-huh. anything that makes you live more optimally. That's that's the that's the goal. Huh? That's the whole thing for the optimal life. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're helping people live optimally. Trying. You're fixing. The, <laughs> you're trying. fixing all the pain. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying. What's uh, what's that like? What's that like dealing with a, a, a you know, a typical day in, in the world of Dr. Adam Hadea, man? It's intense. It's intense. Uh, Who are you, what kind of people are you dealing with? So typical day, uh, wake up usually around five. I'll do a little exercise, prepare for the day, uh, get to work. Um, you know, we see anywhere from 25 to 40 patients in the clinic a day. Um, people in a lot of need. You know, they're, they're su- a lot of them are suffering. They're in pain. Uh, you know, they have degenerative conditions, arthritis. Uh, they've had back surgery that failed. They have a lot of spinal pain, headaches, just chronic pain syndromes, acute herniated discs. Um, you know, and that leads to things like uh, psychological and emotional uh, states that are unfortunate, depression, anxiety, uh, poor sleep. Um, really challenging uh, conditions mm-hmm. and the goal is really is to take people from a state of illness or disease and move them to a state of wellness right. and op- optimal health Nate. there you go um, and so you know we we approach every patient as an individual and we meet them at their level and we try to move them along the continuum of health um, and it's challenging because you, you really never know what state of health somebody's going to walk in the door. Right. Uh, um, so it's challenging. It's, Every, not, it's not one size fits all kind of thing. I, I, I think there are a lot of similarities from patient to patient, but, but each individual is unique, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they have a unique story to tell. 
and and uh, we just try to create a place of healing and wellness. No uh, doubt, and no it's doubt. challenging in today's world um, what, to do that. What uh, what, you you just recently started your own? Yeah, so it's actually an interesting phenomenon. Um, you know, I, I finished my residency. I went on and did my fellowship. Well, I finished my residency. I was in private practice for a couple of years. I went on and did my fellowship. Uh, kind of had a unique opportunity to come to Ohio, as you know. Uh, and I was somewhat independent in that we started uh, three hospital programs from the ground up and an ancillary site um, in about three years. Uh, so I was always kind of independent on my own. Um, but I worked with a management company to get these things going. And then about a year ago, actually, we're coming on the year anniversary. Well, March 1st was a year anniversary of starting. Just no shit. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, March 1st, yeah. I feel like you just did this like three months ago. No, no, no. It's God crazy. Damn, yeah, man. Yeah, it's that awesome. just shows you how fast life goes, Yeah, it goes man. so quick. It's just so fast. I, and and uh, so proud of everybody involved because they the worked days so sometimes, hard. The, the days seem so long. They are right? long. The days are long and the weeks could be long. Yeah. But then you look back at the, at the years and the years are short. Yeah. I don't understand that. Life flies by. The days are long, it's all but relative, the years are short. Right, it's you know? all relative. It's so I mean, fucking about, crazy. Man. Think about it. You have three kids already, right? When we met, you just had Ariana. She was just born. Right. Think about that. Now you have three right. daughters. And you, and you guys didn't even have any kids yet. I know. You're onto your third house. Think Correct. about that. Think you're about right. that. Th- three houses. Think third about home. That. Yeah, this will be our third home. Think about that. And I was and I was on the west side. This will be our last. This will be our last home for a long time. Tell me about it. Let me Barry tell tells this, me she's dude. dying in our house. Well, uh, you guys, <laughs> what's going on with that, man? You guys still just just yeah, we love it. You're almost in. You're almost there. It's We're living done. in the basement. Yeah. Um, it's been a process. She tells me, you know, to take yeah. it easy all the time because I come home and everywhere is a you know a sore spot. Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you look around and it's just an eyesore. And, uh, you know, exposed electric, plumbing, oh. and, you know, no floors. And, and for people that don't know, you <laughs> this is your first home. This is our first you're, home. You're in your 40s now, and <laughs> yeah. this is your first. Because yeah. you, you came from New York City, man. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. came from, you grew City up. City living. You, did you grow up in a high rise? No, no, no. I grew up in a sort of suburban town. You did? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in a normal house like this, you didn't like grow we're up in, in right you didn't now. Grow up in Manhattan in the city. No, no, no. no. Neither did Barry. She grew up in a house too, but oh, she was okay. in Manhattan for 16 years. So she was living yeah. the apartment high rise so, life yes. um, for 16 years. How about you? What about? Well, so I left my parents' house for college at 18, and I never lived in a house after that. I was in apartments till till what? Till 42. 42. 42. So for more than half your life. Yeah, I, mean, obviously I haven't lived in a home. 23, since I, yeah. 24 years. Yeah. I mean, 24 yeah. years in yeah. an apartment. In an apartment. In your adult life, you knew nothing but an apartment living. No, nothing With but kids. T- I mean, yeah. you came from New York City. Yep. Um, how long were you living in New York before you came? I mean, about a year and a half. A year and a half. Uh, maybe a year. I don't know. Something yeah, like that. But yeah. you were always living that city life. And then you came to Cleveland and you were doing the same thing. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, you know it was, I, I didn't mind city living. I actually liked city living before we had kids. Mm. You know, once you have kids, every, you need space to run. You know, yeah. I mean, um, uh, you know, I like small. I'm not. I'm not a materialistic person, so I like small stuff. I don't like a lot. You of like stuff. that simple, I like minimalist. Yeah, type I'm a minimalist. Type. You know, and I now we ha- feel like I am too. Man. Now we have this big house, but and we have all this stuff because <laughs> we got all these kids, and they uh, they apparently need a lot of stuff. <laughs> Maybe Barry's not a minimalist. Uh, you know, I, I think the, women have a trouble, more trouble with being minimalist than men. I, I really truly believe there that. might. I believe that. Uh, you do. do Sorry, you really ladies. Think, yeah. <laughs> you think it's a gender thing? I think it's 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 it's. Obviously, not for every, not everybody. Yeah, but I think generally speaking, absolutely, really, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think if Barry tends on, she tends to be a minimalist. I mean, when I met Barry, she had a five hundred fifty square foot apartment. That was it. She wasn't. She didn't have a ton of stuff. Um, and you know, we've acquired a lot more stuff with kids. Obviously. Oh my gosh. The toys, the dolls. Seems like every other week we're getting a new baby doll, right? Dude, I don't know about much, you guys. How much harder is it to raise kids than the thought of the thought of raising kids, like being an aunt or an uncle and you see it or your friends have kids <laughs> and it looks so cool, right? Like, oh my buddy Joe had a had his first baby and it's life intense. looked so intense. Dude, how much harder is it so than, than what it, it's it's intense. It's relentless. It's a never-ending job. And it's a club. Once you join, it is. You're a member for a, life. It's a fraternity. You're a member for life. That that you can only relate to people. People could only relate to each other once they're in those same situations. It's very true. You know, it was a loaded question, right? Do you have kids? Right? Do you have kids? It's yeah. like a badge of honor. It's like before kids, after kids. You know, it's very different. 
It um, is insane, man. Yeah, the intense. amount of work that, that, that these kids take up, too, it's it's a full-time... How do you find it? I mean... I find it... Ex- if you do it the right way, it's it's extremely intense. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what's listen, your... You go, you go to work, you come home, right? I go to work, um, I come home, you know, we've got... Uh, we've got after school there's kids have homework you know they do dance our girls are in dance yeah. this competitive dance obviously Which is together so intense uh it's so and beyond it like when we <laughs> right. say dance right. we're not understands. talking about they go into a, a studio room and they do a, they do a few few moves for a half hour and come home how about this thing they're it's, doing in Va- las vegas fucking, is this unbelievable it, it, it's, it's it's a full-time gig outside of their full-time life already it's it I mean, really, it's, it's like a part-time a job. And don't you think the, don't you think it's a, like almost a part-time job it, it, for well, Yana? It's a part-time job for the parents that yes. are doing all the work right. for sure for for Yana. Yeah. For all the for all the parents that are doing this yeah. shit, man. I mean, they just did that that trip to Columbus over the weekend. She's up there, they go and they have to drive to Columbus, they have to stay in an apartment, wake up butt crack of dawn start with the makeup and the <laughs> the this and then that the hairspray the bun the bun oh the bun, <laughs> the, bun. <laughs> the bun holy shit this magical bun yeah, I mean, did you watch the youtube video on how to make the bun no i i i, I over i, I oversaw I, it i did not no. i i observed it from a distance no. and i was like oh my god this is intense i i pass i pass <laughs> and all those. the hairspray and oh, talk about the environment what are we doing in the environment <laughs> like it's dude it's unreal it's, she's wakes she yeah. wakes up she's doing all this all this stuff with the uh with the, with the makeup, Barry was doing the same thing, uh-huh. you know. But Yana had both girls. Barry had Barry had your oldest, and and they're all doing the butt crack of dawn, doing this shit. This is just one weekend session, and then they're all day long. They're competing, the girls, and every time they're done competing, the moms have to rush to the back, get them in a new outfit, new makeup, new this, new that, and then and then by the time the day's over with, and it's it's exhausting just sitting out there watching. So- you and I know. They have to get back in the car and come home. I know. How many hours you know? a week do you think they spend on this? I think at least 15, oh, 12 man. to 15 on average. I would say you're somewhere right there. Right? It's got to be. It's with the carpooling. The carpooling. And the preparation. And the, the prep. And the texting and the and, coordination. Oh, my God. The, email, the, the emails and texts with the other parents, too. <laughs> Holy shit. I can only imagine. And the drama are. around it, right? It's, just, it's so much work, man. It is so much work. So what's work. the value? So what do you think the value proposition is to it? Because I, I, sh- I struggle with this. And I talked to Barry about i think it teaches discipline teamwork um you know uh you know that's what i think it does yeah what, what, is there anything more i, to I mean listen I, on a grandi on a grandiose scale yeah. i mean if if the girls continue and they can go do something with it you know what take, they do with it though you know but you know if 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 listen on a in an ideal world they can go get some scholarship money can they really dance. you think yeah do you they think they dance. exist they do have you have you like that at least from i've that? heard at yeah but I've have heard. you actually looked into that because i have seen I, I i've seen things i haven't i haven't gone into it deeply yeah um but i've heard I, that's I heard what that's what i that's heard what it exists that's what i've been told you don't know anyone that's ever done it i want to know the facts like you know don't just tell me that and i don't i have I don't have time to look into it. You know, you know that I assume that there's opportunities. Listen, people go off and do do dance. They do Broadway. They do you know. You can't make a living on Broadway. The That's problem tough. is it's tough to make a living. Yeah. You know, it's tough yeah. to make a living doing it. But again, it, 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 if they're let me let, on the playing devil's advocate, if some kid signed up to play football or basketball his whole life, and or he's doing the travel soccer, yeah, what are the odds he's going to become a professional soccer player? Yeah, no, I think you it's a similar you know. type of thing. I, I, the thing I, I, I don't know if you can, can – let's say – forget the, the monetary thing, but let's say – let's just talk about enjoyment. Right. I don't know if you can actually compete in college doing dance because I didn't know anybody in college who actually did dance. Yeah, did no, you? I think there's dance teams. Are there? There's okay. dance teams. There's dance programs for sure. I mean, I know about uh, the cheerleading. Because I've looked into, I've looked into that. There, there are, are definitely dance programs. Competitive dance. It, competitive dance. Oh, they so go, that's and I think that it somehow does bring in revenues for the school. So I'm hopeful that there are ways for scholarships. Mm. You know. So that's interesting. Because um, one thing I said to Barry is I said, so she turns 18, she's done. Is that right, it? Right. Like, so what's the long term value of that? Um, even if she just did it as a hobby, mm-hmm. you know, beyond 18. Um, is there a way to continue on? Right. And I, I just didn't know. Yeah, so. I think there are. And again, it's probably not, you know, like so many other things, it's not going to be what makes the money. But right. I agree with you. I think what you said at the beginning, camaraderie, uh, discipline, um, you know, those kind of things, interacting with kids, being active outside of school. Listen, you know, there's so many kids that are sitting around the couch, you know, shoving Oreo cookies down their throat all day. Yeah. 
playing on an iPad. And don't get me wrong, our kids, you know, our kids enjoy food and play on the iPads too. But but the dance thing, it, it, it you know, it teaches them discipline, and it gives them. It gives them another form of outlet, uh, an outlet. I agree I think, with you. I think. Yeah, I think no, it's right. an expensive. Form. <laughs> it's an expensive form, but <laughs> hopefully it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, yeah. It, you know what? The kids have to do something. So that's but, the way I look at it. And I think they've they got to do something. And I think they enjoy it, right? They, so they, my, my girls yeah, love it. Yeah, they, they're think, obsessed with it. Yeah, I think it's, they really. It's and insane. it's really cool to watch them do the cartwheels and all that. The flexibility they're getting, oh my developing. God, it's and insane. It's amazing. My, my, I wish I could do that. Doing splits. I know. I know. It's 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 like unbelievable. It's ridiculous. There's another value add. Yeah, there's some value add, but man. And back to what I was saying, it's just being a parent, you and I could relate because we've been in the thick of it the past several years. Uh, you know, I just feel like you're I'm coming start, out. You're coming out. I just out feel like I, I was just yeah. thinking about that on the way over here. I was like, yeah. you know, I started exercising, got some gym equipment in the basement. You know, I was I was really into exercising for a large part of my life. And I just kind of let that go. Um, when did you let? What, 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 when did you? When were you in your prime with your exercise, and then when did it start going away? I think uh, when we moved to Ohio, we had no access to a gym at first. Um, so I, you know, um, I think when I moved to New York City, um, my work life—I I lost my work balance, more work life balance. Um, so around that time, probably, you know. Which is what? How old were you back when that? Yeah. Uh, so I was probably like. 34, 33, 34, 32. Yeah, so in your like mid-20s, late-20s, you yeah, were crushing med, it. Yeah, med school, you know, uh, residency, after residency. I was just, all I did was exercise, work, study. Totally. You know. What else is there to date. do? And, you know, yeah. that's all I did. What else know? is there to do? You're probably running around town. <laughs> I was having fun. The big man. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I, I was having fun. Making a lot of make- mistakes. <laughs> yeah, well, you got, it out, you got it out of the way, you know? Really? And then uh, and then what happened, man? You just you just started, the, the, the real life started kicking in. Huh? Yeah, well, I yeah. met Barry and, and, and uh, you know, uh, love of my life. And she set me straight, you know? She put me, she, she created structure for me and... And uh, I th- I'm thankful for it every day. For sure, you for know, sure. What about the guy. what about the the the, the fitness pa- aspect of it though? Was it well? The so kid- no, it's the intensity of just you know. It's like you come home from work and you have to decide: Am I going to play with my daughter, right, or am I going to exercise, right, right? That's a tough decision. Right. You're going to make the choice to play with your daughter. Well, you and I most likely will. Right. But when you said to me ten minutes ago, "Hey, how do you think the parenting thing is?" and I said, "If you do it right." It's fucking intense, man. Yeah, now, yeah. if you do it, if you're kind of just half in and half out, yeah, you know what? There's plenty of people that are just going to go work out, yeah. you know, or, or go that's go, to the, go bar, to the bar. Go to that's the bar. That's do. you know. That's the other thing. That that scotch tastes tastes pretty darn good. It drift <laughs> get, drift get, away. Get, that's your saying. I've used that a few times. <laughs> drift away and then come home and take care of everybody. <laughs> no, but you're ha- you're you guys are in the thick of it. I you oh. know. I mean, you guys were out of it, and then you got pulled back into it. I mean, you're very fortunate, obviously, with Noah. And uh, yeah, know, but it's tough, man. Dude, it is. It's tough. It is. The first couple of years are so tough. They really are. I think you know until they're about four. Mm-hmm. That's my. Well, then answer. you're really out of it. Yeah. Four. And that was the problem with us is that Ava was turning four. Yeah. You were. You guys were right there. We were right there. As the third was coming in, we our second was. You know, and that's what makes this old, even so. so much more amazing that you're you've been able to do this something you're passionate about, you're interested in. Uh, while you have all this other yeah, stuff, yeah, I appreciate on. it. I, I, it. It gives again, it gives me a form of outlet, yeah, a form of release it. outside of just working out. And, you still exercise? Yeah, yeah, I'm still trying. You know, good. I'm doing a few days a week at least. You running? Yeah, I'm still running. You know, my my running took a took a little bit of a dip this winter because I got sick a few t- couple times in January, late December, well, early I remember January. You had strep I'd, throat. I'd strep twice. You had strep twice. I had strep throat. throat twice in literally four or five weeks. So where you? I haven't had strep in fifteen years. <laughs> I had strep twice in five weeks. How'd you contract that? I, dude, I have no clue. Um, but what I'm hearing nowadays is too, is, and you could probably speak on this, the doctors are prescribing these medications that are not fully killing the the, the the germ, the disease. So the problem has been the over-prescribing of antibiotics for the last, I don't know, two, three decades maybe. Um, and so the bugs are becoming resistant. Uh, and so it's requiring uh, several doses of antibiotics to really kill the bacteria. And it's a public health crisis, emerging really public health is. crisis, because yeah. when you get older, antibiotics might not be able to treat serious conditions like pneumonia and yeah. things of, of that nature. So uh, they're trying to be more judicious about how they use antibiotics now. Um, what's the what's the what's the fix to, to this? Stronger medication. Yeah, they have the pharmaceutical companies need to invest in research and development. Uh, wow. Yeah, and and. 
uh, avoiding unnecessary antibiotic utilization. But it's hard, you know. Uh, we live in a litigious culture where everybody wants treatment, and if you fail to treat appropriately, you know, you're a victim of a, of a suit. So no shit. Yeah. So the the primary care for and yeah, your service industry where you have to service the patient, the patient's needs, their desires, and if you don't do it adequately. Um, that'll come back to, to haunt you either on social media, you get blasted as a practitioner or the insurance companies or CMS or the state medical boards. You know, it's just, compl- you know, if a patient complains that you're not adequately treating them. So it's about boundary setting and expectation setting communication with your patients. Um, and some doctors take the easy, easy path, unfortunately, because they're so overburdened um, and they're burnt out. What's the easy path exactly? The easy path is here's your antibiotic. Right. You know, you want an antibiotic. I don't think it's bacterial. Amoxicillin or something right. like that. I don't think yeah. you have a bacterial infection. I think you have a viral infection. We don't use antibiotics to treat viruses, right? Like you come in with the flu. Right. Um, we, but the patient says, you know, I want the antibiotics. So they give them, I'm speculating. I don't treat it. Yeah, this I, is not your support. This is not what I do, but no. this is what I've read about. Mm-hmm. So um, in the past. So I, I don't know how that dialogue goes Dude, now. being a doctor these days. I love it. I mean, it, no, I love I, it. I know, but yeah. it, there's, with all the different, like you said, the regulations. It's tough. The, it's a tough profession. It's, it's not for it's the fatal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of tough professions. I mean, I wake up every day and I feel humbled that I have the opportunity to, you know, help and serve people. And it, it does get better with age, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, you know, uh, it, it's a challenging. It's challenging. Talk, talk about exactly what you do. What do I do? Uh... I, you know, what are the things that you're doing for your pay? I mean, oh, you talked yeah. about the people that oh, you so, deal with at the so, beginning. So my, what are, what so my philosophy, and I say this with complete humility, is to reshape the um, my little neck of the woods and to help people with chronic pain conditions avoid opiates. Um, I've had about 11 years of experience now. Uh, prescribing opiates, not prescribing opiates, seeing patients with chronic pain. I've probably treated 20,000 patients. Um, and I no longer, at least anecdotally, believe opiates have a place for chronic, non-cancer, non-malignant pain, meaning somebody's not going to die of pain or from cancer or something like that. You're saying that if it's unless it's a life-threatening disease such as cancer, yeah. you are against opiates or or post-surgical care, like you know, mm-hmm. a week after sur- you know, for a week after surgery, three days after surgery. I don't think that chronic opioid utilization. Uh, um, really is the way to best manage chronic pain conditions. So my goal, mm-hmm. uh, based on my experience, and my experience is somewhat unique, as you know, we can talk a little bit about it, is to to reshape that dialogue and expectation with my the patients that uh, are willing. I often will tell patients when they come to see me, if they are on opiates and they want opiates, um, or schedule two opiates, I'll say, you're looking for opiate management, not pain management. What I do is pain management. Uh, do you find a lot of them will come in with that preconceived notion, hey, I need a, a Percocet or you know something like that? I think that. some people do, and, and I educate and I dialogue and uh, communicate. And I, you know, I say these are the boundaries of my practice. This is what I do. Um, and, um, you know, and that's how I handle it. And, you know, I've, I've had um, some um, challenging exchanges as a result of it. Oh, um, I'm sure. Um, sure, and and there tough. are times I question myself because, yeah. you know, it's just this is my philosophy. Uh, that doesn't mean it's the right philosophy. It's just uh, I feel uh, based on, you know, all we have to go off of is what we read, what we learn, our knowledge and our experience. And um, based on what I understand, mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't believe in it. So I can't. But, do and, it. but you used to. Right. There's well, been a transition. It seems yes, like. Yes. So, you know, in my education process, I was trained to use high dosages of, of pain medication, opiate pain medication to treat chronic pain conditions. Um, and so I graduated into that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, you know, I, I sort of struggle with it internally to find my basis. Um, and uh, my goal always was to reduce the need for opiates using other interventions like injections and uh, uh, things like neuromodulation, spinal cord stimulation, just work with surgeons, work with therapists, physical therapists, behavioral therapists, anything I could do, any resource available to me to minimize the need for these medications. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that was very hard. Um, and then over time, you know, I think that um, the community has shifted in terms of its support um, 
both from, from a legal standpoint, from a state medical board standpoint, from a state pharmacy board standpoint, I think, you know, the pendulum has swung towards this state, uh, which may be a bit extreme, of uh, avoiding opiates now altogether for chronic pain. Um, because of all the heroin. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's a, you know, these are bigger issues. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's just an opiate epidemic where they've been overprescribed um, and overutilized as a tool and a resource to help people in need, uh, which has led to some uh, unrecognized addiction, opiate overdoses, uh, uh, patients moving towards, uh, you know, things like heroin, illegal fentanyl, which is an opiate, IV fentanyl. So different things like that have emerged. You know, the challenge is as a culture and a society, um, how are we going to manage that and how are we going to handle that? And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, if you look at the data, the population statistics in America, you know, it was something like 95% of the world's hydrocodone or Vicodin was consumed in the United States of America and we had 5% of the world's population. That's insane. It's like it didn't yeah. make any sense. That's, and, you know, it, that, that's just pure abuse or, or I, you know, it's hard to say mis, to mis, tease uh, it diagnosed. out because, you know, on one hand, we're a civilized society. Mm-hmm. So we want to treat people humanely. So part of it is that uh, we have access to great technology and resources. You know, as a society, you know, our healthcare system is geared towards, you know, sort of on some level, sort of the instant fix, right? So take a pill for this, take a pill for that. How do you fix this? How do you fix that? And that's the healthcare system too. Our uh, culture doesn't want to leave anybody behind, right? So we're empathic culture. Uh, there's big business involved. So there's a lot of variables that drove that. Um, and, you know, a lack of responsibility in the healthcare system, a lack of responsibility um, on the part of the patient. Um, you it's know, a, to take some, a ton of different factors. Yeah, it's I mean, a cultural, there's, there's, it's societal. And, then as, and as a society, we say, you know, what are we going to, we have a lot of questions to answer, right? right? Because if it's not, if it's not a pill, like a controlled substance, like an opiate or a benzodiazepine, like a Xanax or, or something like that, uh, then it's a alcohol, you know, or marijuana, or, you know, there's a subset of the population that on some level, uh, society has said, we're anesthetizing them, Right. We're going to let them drift away chronically, mm-hmm. right? So that they can cope because we don't know how to handle them. We don't know how to manage that. We don't know how to support and lift them up. So these are, you know, ethical, moral questions that I think as a physician community, as a larger society, we have an obligation to try to wrestle with at least, even if we can't answer them. Uh, and so, you know, this cha- it's, oh, that's this challenging. Is a, this is a, it's yeah, really intense. This is a tough balance. So what I, yeah. So what I found is know? I said, you know, as a, as a physician, I want to be a beacon of hope and light for my patients that come to see me. And that's what I want my, my organization, Cleveland Pain Care to be about. Um, and we will lift you up. We will hold you. We will help you. We will run to you. We will try our best to support you with the resources available. Uh, um, we're not going to use these powerful medications for chronic non-cancer pain. I've even told patients who want some of the most cutting inventive uh, treatments like regenerative medicine or stem cell therapy mm-hmm. uh, that I will not offer that to you if you are on opiates because it's going to color your response to anything that I would do. And these are investigational experimental treatments, and I, I need to see what the data looks like for my own peace of mind so that as I move forward and I offer it to patients, I understand what the real response is. So a patient comes in, yeah. okay, they've got chronic pain, yeah. uh, back pain, let's just you know, yep. say for general. And, uh, and you know, you're, you're taking them through the process, you're evaluating them, and, you know, they're adamant about the, the pain pill or the opioid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a typical, your, your typical approach is obviously that's not, that's not our, our style, that's not the way we believe is the best approach. Um, once you've convinced them, if you have, what, do you, what, is, your, what is your approach? What so, is your approach? So I, I – I, and it starts with just – it's sort of, you know, if you ever read Stephen Covey, you ever read Covey? It's a great – Seven Habits of Highly Effective. Oh, yeah, it's a great yeah, book. yeah, of course. So, of course. so my first yeah. approach is I first want to understand. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of seek first to understand, then to be understood. So I give them the floor, my patients the floor. I listen. I try to understand. I empathize. And, and, and then once I understand where they're coming from, I say, you know what? That might be the right course of treatment for you. I don't know. That, that is not what I do, however. And if that's something you're looking for, then I may not be the right person to treat you. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to 
argue about the merits of their concerns and their, how the medications affect their functioning. I don't know because I don't live in their shoes. Mm-hmm. I just I just say that that's okay. You know, if that's what you feel you need, because I try to be supportive. Uh, I'm not here to criticize or to judge. I've heard stories of you know practitioners or other doctors saying, "Oh, you're a drug addict. You're drug seeking. You're that's not what I do." And and I would tell other doctors not to do that either because that's not helpful. Right. Um, um, it just penalizes the patient. You sure. Know? I just sure. think I think. And our goal is to, to help. So right. I, I that's how I approach it. So I you'll say, basically start by saying, "Tell me, tell me your story. Tell me your, your yeah. take on it. I'm yeah. going to tell you that this what if this is or is maybe not a, the right fit for you." Yeah, you know, and, and right I say I, I can still offer you these things, right? This is what I do, and this is what I do well. And what, that's what, what I say. And which is what? So you know, it's everything from chronic uh, pain management with other non-addictive, non-opiate-based pain medications. So okay, different medications so, yeah. involved. And and so let me let me let me take a step back. So that you have Schedule two opiates that act on the opiate receptor, the mu receptor, uh, that helps alleviate pain, also can lead to a euphoric effect. And then you have other medications that sort of bind to that receptor, but maybe don't do it in the same way. Mm-hmm. So I use some of those medications. Um, these are called level two type. Well, that, or? the previous ones are sort of the scheduled two. The scheduled, scheduled two. two. Okay. Um, and then I use other medications that work on the nervous system, uh, stabilize the nerve membranes to help with pain. I use anti-inflammatories. I actually Tylenol is a good pain reliever if you use it if you need right. it consistently. I mean, and, and it's in Percocet and it's in yeah. Vicodin. It was Tylenol. Was Tylenol. It's yeah. in there. Or, or Advil. I mean, yeah. maybe not for what you do, but you know. I use it. I use uh, yeah. you know uh, ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. You know, Naproxen. You, you alternate. Yeah. To Top, I have a lot of topicals that I get compounded for me. So by specialty pharmacies that we can. Use. So, so we there's, do. So there's there yeah. isn't the medication part. Yeah. Too, so we of use the pharmaceutical part, right? Right. right. Um, and then I use sort of my background as a board certified psychiatrist to provide supportive therapies. You know, talk therapy, engaging emotionally. And, uh, and, and, and real quick on the yeah. psychiatry part. Yeah. I mean, because I know that this this you've got this dual. Right, this dual degree. What, what is yeah. it? A, a dual degree in psychiatry. So I'm, pro- I'm, you know, this is, you know, wh- this is what makes you very unique. <laughs> this is why I'm excited that you're. <laughs> so I, I'm probably, you know, it's really interesting because, sort of, my background, you know, it is kind of unique in a way. Um, you know, I'm I'm board certified in psychiatry and neurology, and I actually practice psychiatry and neurology. Um, and I'm also certified in something called functional, me- or I, w- I was trained in something called functional medicine, which is kind of integrative medicine. Um, and I practiced this, and I was trained in psychotherapy. And then from there, I I sort of went to this surgical specialty, which is interventional pain management. So there's very few physicians in in the world who kind of understand sort of the concept of psychosocial medicine, and are also surgical because I do. I have surgical skills. I implant surgical devices like neurostimulation and spinal cord stimulators, which right. is actually a surgery from like the Medtronic, Boston Scientific right. of the world. Yeah. So we actually, I surgically implant them. So to have somebody who's surgical, but also understands the psychology, that's very unique. It's unique, and even even you know, pain management physicians. They don't necessarily come from that stock. Normally, they come, they're an anesthesiologist, so they're in the surgical world. They maybe get a few weeks of psychological training in their fellowship, which is a one-year program, and then they go out in the world, and they, they have to kind of struggle with these things. So they they I'm unique in that way. Yeah, well, and, a, and remember, you gave me some crazy statistics several years ago about like one out – there's only like a couple hundred. What was the statistic? Uh, I don't know what it's up to now. Several uh, hundred in the in yeah, entire there's very, world? there's very few. That have both – yeah, uh, and even fewer probably that actually implant their own spinal cord stimulators who have developed that level of confidence. Uh, there's there's that. there's a, a couple yeah. hundred maybe yeah. uh, doctors throughout the world that, that are to this have the, these qualifications of maybe. a diverse qualification. Maybe I've maybe. only met one other psychiatrist who practices pain management, and he doesn't implant his own spinal cord stimulators. And I don't think he does any of the regenerative medicine stuff. You know, stem cell injections where we actually can take your own cells from your body that have healing properties and inject them into areas where there's tissue damage, um, which is highly controversial, experimental experimental, and uh, investigational, but nevertheless, there's some data that supports its use. So, Which is what you, you've begin, begun to employ some of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think- I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Oh, it's, real, it's really cool. Yeah. It's, um, 
it's uh, it's like weird science. It's really mm-hmm. neat. You know, when we're injured, uh, platelets kind of rush in. These are cells in our body to heal. Like if you cut yourself, one of the first cells that comes in uh, is in your bloodstream. It's called a platelet. It comes in and signals molecules to kind of come in and uh, start the healing process for an acute injury. So we can take those cells from your body, these platelets, and concentrate them and then inject them into areas where there's tissue injury chronically to kind of start the healing process potentially it's all potential right where, where do the platelets lie are they like dormant are they just dormant no 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 they're, they're, all, they're just, you have they're just flowing just yeah flowing. they're clotting your blood right now you're you know you have they're, they're part of the you know healing but when, you, when you cut yourself the initial reaction of the human body is to send these platelets to the infected area to or the to area the, of uh, injury the in, uh, and start the, uh, the cascade of clotting and healing and they send out enzymes which are proteins that signal things to come in and so it's really Fascinating, cool. Yeah. So it, and now you co- sort of combine that with everybody has what we call sort of uh, prim- primordial or basic cells in their body that um, we're constantly replenishing our tissue. So uh, stem cells are sort of progenitor cells that can convert into almost any cell in the body, nervous tissue, tendon, ligaments, uh, uh, you know, those types of things. So you wow. take these sort of raw cells from somebody's bone marrow inside their hip Mm-hmm. and uh, you extract them, you concentrate them, and then you sort of signal them to turn on based on the environment you put them in. You, you take them out, and then yeah. you put them back in right. somewhere else. Exactly. Wow. These, and, and hopefully, if you have tissue degeneration or cartilage damage or ligament. Well, I've told, or, talked to you about my shoulder issues. I, and I, I know, want and, you to. I, I really want to try this. Yeah. I really do, man. So the, one of the, th- the challenges is that it's not covered by insurance, and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and it's not covered anywhere by insurance. Not to my knowledge, uh-huh. which is always a challenge because, um, you know, as a physician, you, you, you want to be conscious of that. You, you, your goal as a physician is to help people. Healthcare it's, is expensive. Right. It's, yeah. it's really, I mean. It's absurd. It's, you know, and everybody has these high deductible plans now, yeah. even, including myself. Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I pay for my insurance, but then we go to the doctor and we end up paying for the whole thing. Or yeah, you get an MRI and it's the whole thing. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. it's basically a catastrophic insurance plan. God forbid something happens. You hope you have your insurance in place. So, sure. Which is actually the way insurance is designed, if you think about it. It's not meant to be used on a day-to-day basis. Sure, right? sure. Think about your homeowner insurance. Oh, yeah. You, you have a leak. You, if it's a few hundred bucks. You never want to use it. Yeah, don't I mean, use it. Unless, like my house, right? Exactly. Unless you have a, you know, a catastrophic a event yeah. that's you know, too expensive for you to write a check. No, you never um, want to use it. Right. So that's how actually, if you think about the word insurance, that's one of the challenges with our healthcare system is that it, it's – uh, employers start offering insurance. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we ultimately saw it go universal. Yeah, well, where the where all states can, can just compete with each. You know, where it's open not it state, up. open it up, right? Open it up to the whole country. Yeah, who knows? They've you'll been see, talking about see, that for years. You'll see how fast. Uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, everyone will have different offers to provide. Right. Right. They'll figure that'd out be interesting. I could make, make, make it less expensive. That'd be think. interesting. Yeah. So that's my. I mean, that's so the stem cell thing is fascinating, man. Oh, that's so cool. Be, have you and you guys have seen positive? Uh, I've seen positive response. I would say, um, you know. Um, you know, it's not a panacea, so it's what's not like that, a magic that? wand. What's it's not okay. like it doesn't. It's not you know, it. it um, I, I'd say it's moderate. My experience right to date is that it's moderately beneficial. Uh-huh. But so, what's the alternative? Invasive surgery, pain, ch- chronic pain, um, the rehab from a surgery, the expense of a surgery, lost time at work. Um, steroid injections, which is what I primarily do, right. repetitive steroid injections. After a while, that's not so good because it has a degenerative effect on the tissue. Chronic steroid. So, use. so backing up a little bit, you'll yeah. do you'll you'll do the evaluation from the psychological sam- standpoint. Uh, you you started you said you know you started you'll do you'll do the the um, traditional medication for lack of a better term. Yeah, sure. You'll do the psychological aspect. And then you're also doing the neuromodulation and those kind of things. Yeah, all the interventions. So we do everything from uh, inject into arthritic joints of the spine. It's uh, injections. Yeah. These are injections. Yeah, yeah. It, it, minimally invasive. It takes what? Injection therapy. Seconds. Uh, it depends what we're doing. It takes a few minutes. Few we minutes. Do, uh, you know, we do it under X-ray guidance. Um, so it's called fluoroscopy. We use anesthesia services. So we offer some light sedation. Okay. Uh, through you're the, not putting people IV. to sleep fully. Just some. It's yeah. It's light sedation. We're not breathing for them. We're not intubating them. Right. Um, 
Um, you know, it's just to make them comfortable mm-hmm. uh, for the procedure because the last thing we want to do is create, a, a, you know, more pain for somebody oh, yeah. who's already in pain. And a lot uh, of your patients, I imagine, are, you know, more older. You yeah, know, a lot yeah. of elderly people coming yeah. through with issues. So but Those are actually some of my favorite patients because mm-hmm. – um, you know, a lot of them are just, you know, they're sort of salt of the earth. They've been around. They're yeah. humble. They're just looking for some help. They have degenerative conditions, arthritis, the degenerative discs. They've had surgeries, you know, chronic pain. And they really just want help. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and uh, and I like it. And oftentimes you do an injection and they just get better. And then, you know, then come back for several months. Right. And, and, and you're like, wow, that's so got to be such it's a so great rewarding. feeling. That's why I love my job. Yeah, you're like, um, I hope I don't see you for a long time. That's actually, yeah. actually, and actually, is that the, your new model? We can make a model for the for the clinic. Practice, what, clinic. It's compassion, <laughs> advanced pain care is our, our, our mission statement. But so it's interesting, Nate, because um, I found that with the opiates, um, when you utilize them, it's actually you create sort of this chronic interaction with the patient where they're coming back all the time, all the time. And they're not really responding as well to sort of some of the other interventions. So my goal uh, is to, is, uh, it's, it's a retention practice and that we always want to be there and we want to quarterback any kind of musculoskeletal problem, any chronic pain problem, act as kind of the primary care physician for that. If you need a surgical consult, if you need to see a physical therapist, whatever, we, we sort of want to always be there for the patient. Uh, but I, I don't, need to see them all the time exactly you, know? you don't want to i want you them to get better go live their to. life right. function go play golf do what you want to do no get, doubt if come you're in, doing your job right. like you know you feel victorious if yes. you don't see these people yes. it's like a chiropractor yes you don't want to have to see these people every week i you don't know? i don't mind doing it if it's needed of course um i'm happy to do it i'm happy to be there for my patients if they need to see me every week they will see me every week right. however my goal is to get them to the point where they maybe need to see me once a year or maybe not for several years. Like I've run into people in the grocery store that I did a procedure on. They're good for three or four years. And that's like the greatest thing. And they're like, do you remember me? I'm like, "Uh, honestly, I don't remember you. I'm so sorry. Like, well, you did that. That's a good thing. You did that procedure on me. My back is still great. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful. How long, what's the average length of time you're with a patient? Hey, I, I take it take case by case. You know, if it's a simple thing, it could be a few minutes. It could be five minutes. Yeah, it could yeah. be quick. Yeah. Um, if it's complicated, I'll spend an hour if sure. I need to. It just, it just depends, depends on yeah. the patient, um, you know, and, and the pressures of my day, obviously. I give patients as much time as they need, and I can give them. And you're seeing anywhere between 25 to f- about 40 patients, you said? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it varies. It varies. I mean, there are days when it's 15 or 10. You know, sure. it just depends on the day and the schedule and the, and the needs and uh, – um, you know, it's uh, it's highly variable. I mean, um, eventually as we grow, we'll, you know, hopefully we'll offer an opportunity for another doctor to come in and join us who will help us. So right us. now you're the only doctor, right? It's, yeah, just, just my you, practice. Just yourself yeah, at well, the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. You've got some, obviously, some office staff, some support staff, and those kind of things. Yeah, so we're we're opening our third location, um, which is amazing. That's it's just in a year, isn't that amazing? So we're uh, yeah, talk about the, the practice. So we started bit. in Westlake because uh, I had a following and a presence on the west side uh, from some of the hospitals I started, um, and so we partnered with a surgery center uh, in Westlake and a big group of primary care physicians. Uh, we took some office space there. Uh, and, uh, so we, and then we had an opportunity, I guess in October we were looking cause I live on the East side. So right. came over a, to the good a, side, <laughs> as you've been telling me to do for years. Was I right? You were right. Was I right? Oh, thank we're you. So thank happy. you thank yeah, you. we're so happy. So uh, I always knew we were going to No open. offense to our West side friends in Cleveland. No, no, we no, love, we, lo- we love the, we well, love the West side. That's where the fun's at. Right, right. When we have a family life. You come over on this side. <laughs> right. We go to have fun out on the right, West side. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of great restaurants. There's, there's a lot to do for sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, and I always knew I was going to open up an office in Beachwood or on the east side somewhere. Um, and uh, we had the opportunity to kind of step into a, a practice where a physician uh, sort of run it, ran into some trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we uh, uh, have now an office in Beachwood. Um, and now we have another opportunity to open uh, an office and a practice in Chardon. Uh, wow! So good for you, that, man. Yeah, that's actually opening this week. Actually, are you serious? Yeah. How have you guys been doing this? You and your wife are like just fucking. She's a machines, rock star. Man. She's a rock. She's star. a machine. She's really unbelievable. I'm so fortunate. Like she is really, um, 
She's, she's just an so ass solid. kicker, man. She really, she t- really. Well, is. you know, she works. She used to work. I know, like I a know. crazy she, person. She had a big, had, she had a big, big job, career, right? Big career out yeah. in New York. Yeah, she had a big career. What was she doing? So she did everything from worked uh, from Ralph Lauren. I mm-hmm. think that's how she says you pronounce that's it. The Ralph way, Lauren. Yeah, that's, that's the correct. Um, uh, to uh, mortgage banking, to hedge fund world, to. Uh, you know, she was, an was she ex- in finance. What was she so she was? worked in in those arenas as an executive assistant. Executive, that's so. What it was, and yeah. and I think, if memory serves me right, she actually was so valuable and po- and powerful in her position that she actually had assistants underneath her. Yeah, no, I believe it. So, uh, those big jobs like that. Yeah. You know, the executive assistant is yeah. like outside of the. CEO or yeah. him or herself, yeah. that executive assistant's the, the decision maker. Is that man. right? I, I, oh, I, I, man. Yeah. They're, 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 like for, for legit companies that, ha, that yeah, have right. a true executive assistant, yeah. which is what she was doing, yeah. they always say the executive assistant is the one you need to get to. If you're an outsider and you want to get in yeah. and you want to ha- get someone that has influence, don't worry about anyone else at the company. <laughs> She's executive. Well, she makes all. She makes all the business the buttons, decisions. Man. I mean, yep. I don't. I yep. just take care of my patients, and I leave all the business side of it up to her. That's beautiful. Negotiation, marketing, all of that. She's, She's doing it all. Huh? She does it all. Uh, you know, deals with all the insurance companies, uh, credentialing. She does all of that, and uh, you know, it was interesting because she, when I first met her, she's like, you know. She would, God, the things, the story she would tell me, like, you know, her CEO, she, he wanted to go to Peru. And within 24 hours, she's booking him on a private jet with his friends to Peru, right? Or uh, they're doing a corporate event in Vegas and she's renting out this place or renting out MGM for their corporation. And, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. she was, she was like, yes. and she said she, you know, when she uh, left her last job in Manhattan, she had a brand, you know, she was, you know, Barry Beck, and everybody knew who she was in that world. And if you could hire her, it was like a win for your company. Wow. And uh, I you was hired like, her. I, was like, yeah. <laughs> I hired her to be my wife and you the mother of my her. kids. It worked out. Uh, it worked. Well, that was her <laughs> plan. That wasn't my plan. She was like, this is what we're doing, Adam. I'm like, okay, you're the boss. <laughs> yeah. And I, well, it, it, everything works out for a reason. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. That's beautiful. So you guys are opening up in Chardon. Yes. Uh, third yeah. location yeah. next yeah. week. Yeah. How do you guys, I mean... So we have. How yeah, do you do all this? Well, we have this a great staff. Barry's hired a great staff mm-hmm. of people to support me, administrative, um, and uh, we're just scaling. I mean, we're just growing. I, my mission is really to offer superior, high-quality, interventional, balanced pain management without opiates, and yeah. to recalibrate the community we serve mm-hmm. um, about their expectations around the pain medication. Do you do you deal with? Um you know, people that have become addicted to the heroin, do they, like people that are in pain that have become addicted that are looking to, you know, looking for the more, you know, a cleaner way to do it. I see people like that They come back in and then you could say, okay, let's start. Yeah, so we'll we'll see patients um, who have been on chronic opiates. Um, I I don't, I'm not a detoxification facility, although in time I'd like to be able to offer like, you know, a full service psychological support or psychiatric, a behavioral health component internally. Right. I, I don't have that resource right, right now. But you've been talking about that yeah, for a little while, I would while love too. to do that. Uh, sort of incorporate, Talk about differentiation. Right. Incorporate know? that module would be just amazing. Yeah. Um, it's going to take some time to get there. But I don't have that right now. So I'll, I'll often, you know, if patients come to me and they want to get off opiates or they're struggling with that, I'll refer them to detoxification. Um, or I'll say, you know, you need to wean off your drugs. I'll tell yeah. them how to do it. And I'll say, once you're weaned, we can talk about how we can help manage your pain. The reason I'm asking you, I'm thinking about this as we go, is uh, I had a gentleman on a few episodes ago. His name's Greg McNeil. Okay. And uh, Greg started a foundation called Cover Two Resources. And he started it in honor of his son who died from heroin, Get out a heroin uh, overdose. Really? Yeah, it was. Did he start with op- pills? Started I... with opioids. And so cover two resources, and I don't know a ton about it, but their mission is to offer preventative solutions to mitigate this opioid epidemic. Oh, that's and it's, amazing. it sounds exactly like, not. A, I mean, the, it sounds like the two of you guys' worlds might be able to, uh, there's some opportunities potentially. I, I don't even know what they are. Yeah. But he's all, he, his organization is looking for people, you know, looking for those preventative solutions. I think, you know, I might, if I put put him in contact with you. It'd be you, great. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty it was How brutal. old was his son? 
His son was like 27. I don't know. Oh, uh, so how old's Greg? Like Greg Greg's, uh, he's, you know, 50s, probably 60s. in his 50s. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Amazing. I'm not sure for, you know, 50s wow. to 60, something like that. And I can't uh, even imagine. You know, that's scary. Oh, and he sat right scary. here and it was just, you know, it was sitting there and listening to a story. It was just brutal. Think about if, you know, one of your, yeah, Ariana I can't imagine even being able to talk about it, you know. You know. It's like, and it, you know, life is so fragile in that way. It you know? really is. And you got to just be humble every day because you never know. And, uh, and well, we're, so at the, his son, we're at the mercy. Well, this is goes, when you were saying this about yeah. the o- opioid thing, you know, his son um, got into a fight on New Year's Eve one night. And, you know, whatever, whoever, we didn't get into what happened. I guess the son was, you know, sticking up for some girl. These guys were being assholes. Well, anyways, long story short, he got caught up in this melee, got punched in the face a few times, so he had, like, shattered something, and went to the doctor. This was New Year's Eve, January, whatever. He goes to the doctor. This, you know, this goes back, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago at this yeah. point or eight years ago, something like that. And uh, he goes to the doctor, and, what, of course, what does he get? He gets the opioid prescription. Yeah. Well, he had legitimate and He had a legitimate acute, yeah. right? And right. then he's on it for a month. A month, wow. Something yeah. like right, that. Right, because he Give had some orbital fractures yeah. or something. Yeah, and then right. he had one or two cycles of it. Yeah. And... Then they that was it, right? And he was going, oh, now what? I, I need that. I need that high because right, I can't. Right. His body became so freaking addicted in that short period of time to these these pills that he needed something. So what did he turn to when he couldn't do it? He went to the street. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. He went to the fucking. You know, you street, hear these man. stories, you and really that's where the heroin do. came. You actually in. hear these stories. I read something, and I don't know if it's accurate or not. Um, that it, you know, um, it can take. Somebody can potentially become addicted to opiates within, I think it was like five days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of that is sort of their foundation, maybe, maybe their constitution, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the story you're describing is something I've heard before. Oh, uh, you know, a young, oftentimes it's an athlete with a sports injury. Oh, that's so common. And, you know, they have to have some sort of surgical intervention mm-hmm. postoperatively, rightfully so. They get a prescription for, a, you know, painkiller. Right. Um, and the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's part of this, I think. Um, it's an epidemic. It, that's why when you said that at the beginning, I was thinking to myself, this is. Well, that's why so I, I'm so perfect. honored. This is why I'm so honored uh, to do what I do, because um, I, I want to be part of the solution. Uh, sure. And uh, I feel like you know, I wake up every day knowing that that's my mission. Right. Somebody who understands sort of the psych- psychology of it, the psychiatry of it. Uh, uh, the neurochemistry of it mm-hmm. in maybe a little bit deeper way than the average pain practitioner. Sure. Um, um, and so uh, I feel like, you know, I, I've been blessed with this unique opportunity uh, and this training that's sort of a little bit different. Um, and so I have an obligation, uh, you know, to to make a positive impact in the world. Um, so that's what I'm trying to that's do. It's beautiful, man. And it's really it's cool. It's awesome. really it's really cool because I didn't I, I didn't know how this was all going to integrate when I started. Oh, yeah. And I, it had no for I had you, no idea. I had no idea. You know, it's like, you know, you just kind of it all happened so organically for sure. me. You know, I just I, I I was 12 and it was somebody said, "What do you want to do for a living?" I said, "I'm going to be a surgeon." Why? I have no idea. <laughs> you knew that at 12 years old. I remember. I was thinking on the way over here. I was thinking about it because I figured we'd get into some of this. And I was on the bus, uh, you know, one of the big yellow buses. I was leaving middle school. I was 12. And some somebody on the bus said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I'm going to be a surgeon. Um, you know, and... Uh, and somehow and I ended up doing it. <laughs> doing it you know, it's, I mean, how many years were you in school? Uh, it feels like forever. I mean, um, what was it like? Fifteen plus years? Well, uh, you know, we four undergrad, elementary school, no, no, no. <laughs> nursery no. school, eighteen and up. <laughs> <laughs> so you got four years of college, right? Yeah. Uh, then you got four years of medical school. Uh, you got four years of internship and residency, and a year of a fellowship. So thirteen. Yeah, thirteen years. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm shit, always learning. Man. I'm still in school right now. You know, God, always learning. You know, that's insane. It's, uh, that's insane. But yeah, I love it. Well, how many years were you in school? You did law school, right? I was in school for yeah. Seven, I mean, seven, seven years. Seven years. Seven years, seven years. No? Yeah. About half the time that you did it. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. yeah. Seven years was plenty, man. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have even imagined it. But then I'm thinking about it, and and here I am. I've been out of law school. I was just talking to one of my other buddies, here, yeah. Greg Gentile. Yeah. We've been out of law school for ten years this May. Wow. I had fucking years already. You know, I mean, it's just how fast it goes. Well, it's man. great. Again, yeah. The days are long. 
especially with the kids at times, but the years are just so yeah, I was short. Thinking, I mean, so 20 years ago, I entered medical school. Yeah. Think about that. that 20 years scary? ago, I was with my buddy. But you feel like that was just... And I'm studying cell biology, and it's like... Yeah. Where did it go? You're like 20 years 20 ago. 20 years ago. It's I mean, two decades. God, why does it feel like like high school, those four years in high yeah. school, they feel like they're the longest fucking years. <laughs> right. Like you're going to be in high school for your entire life, <laughs> right, right? right? It's four little years. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It, 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 it's the longest four years of your life. 20 years ago, you probably feel like these 20 years went by faster than four years ago. I'll tell you, the last school. 10 years have gone by very fast. Right? Yeah. And I, I imagine... I mean, the next 10 to 20 years are going to go by even faster. I, I, you know? I could only imagine. Think man. about it. You're in your grind. You're in your day. You're working hard. You're, you know, you're taking care of your family. You're, you know, you're taking care of your job. And, and, you know, and then, it, boom, it's gone. Yeah. And you would like to believe, listen, there's different uh, challenges with the kids as they get older. Oh, yeah. We, so we know, you know, you got to deal it's with... It's not going to be easier. Gotta, oh, especially with us with all the girls and the... Oh, oh we're, we're done. Listen, we're hey, done. listen, guys. I keep guns. I keep, keep loaded. Don't come to my house. Don't come to my house. I'll tell you that right now. Nate's <laughs> a scary guy. <laughs> They're gonna be they're gonna be sit, coming into that house. I'm gonna be sitting there like you know. I'm just gonna be aloof life, and life the quiet. Theory. I'm gonna be the quiet, silent guy in the corner, yeah. and I'm gonna let Barry do it, all of it because uh, she's, she's you know she's pistol, five, five two and she's a firecracker. She and, is a, she's a pistol. And, and she's you don't want to get on her the wrong side of her. No. And Yana's the same way. I mean Yana, she's she's a high octane woman. Yeah, but I, well. I think the the women the women are it's gonna be much easier for them to see their girl their their daughters go on a date, even oh, though it's gonna be, gonna be probably. But dude, could you imagine what that's going to be like? I mean, fast. Forward, I don't want to, you know, rush our life away. But you said, look, how, look how fast ten years went. Yeah. So another ten years from now, think about that. Our kids are 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 dating and they're going imagine. out and. You know what? Some, you know what I started uh, watching recently? You know, The Sopranos. Yeah. So course, I started rewatching it. The, the best. And, oh, it's so good. The best. Amazon Prime. Uh, so I started rewatching it. And Meadow Soprano, she's dating, and you know, she's getting into it with Tony. And I'm just thinking, it's exactly what you're talking be what about. We do, what think we about the intent. Yeah. We talk about intent. Intensity. Yeah. What is that emotional experience going to be like for us? Exactly. Right? I might you need know? some psychiatry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the answer. I might Nate. need some pills. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Speaking send you someplace it. else. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I don't oh, judge. Man. You know, I, I, it's it's uh again being being a parent. I, I knew we can talk about that because you and I could re- we're in the same boat. Oh, man. you're you we're got a, you got a worse than me though. You got three I've got daughters. Three. I've got I have three. two. I've got three. Yeah. And and uh, and uh, you know. But that's still you know we could we could relate. You know who you you'll know? be able to relate. My I gotta get put you in touch with my cousin because he's a few years older than you and he has three. Yeah, daughters. I want to start like a. Um, uh, Men support group, yeah, like a support group. Yeah. <laughs> right? A support group, right. and, and instead of you know, we'll call it a support group. We right. just go out, and we just drink, or we could we just, just all come out. around and just do podcasting. We, like, we get, could, like, man. You know, could How you get fun like? Would that be? Could you get like eight of these microphones? I could, dude. I could. Well, this this thing will allow us to get up to two more, so we can so do four here. Four is actually a solid. That's group. perfect. We get we get four dads that have nothing but daughters. That would be amazing. And we do a podcast once in a while. About, I bet you about that. What's going, I bet you that, that would, would be go a, viral. Yeah, that would people would really appreciate that. I oh, think. Are you kidding it would, me? It would actually help a lot of people. I, oh, I think it definitely would. It I mean, would. we're joking, but think about no, how no, cool no, that it would. would be. It would because you know, men as a gender, I think need resources. They need outlets. They, yeah. you know, they, yep. they. Uh, we're not like women. We're not as relational in a way, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and that's a generalization, but I think. Um, we need places to go and just be yeah. men and talk about well, the things that we to, encounter. To be able to listen to another guy sit across the table from you, or if you're driving in your car and you're listening to the podcast, right, right, right. and go, holy shit, man, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not alone. I'm not alone. <laughs> Other men are I, dealing I, with I'm this. Not, I'm not the only one. It's a lot of pressure you to know? be a man in today's day and age. It is. You know? It is. A it lot is. of responsibility. And, you know, you've got all girls. You know, if you've got all girls, it's a whole different dynamic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I, I do love it. I'm, I know you do, too, but... Oh, it's different than it's different than having sons and boys running around, man. There's different emotional feelings involved. Um, we didn't even get into it. <laughs> no, we, we, but we, we're going to save it. We're going right. to save it for you know. Well, for, think about it though. I mean, we didn't even start with the hormones though. Oh, we oh it. we haven't even the gotten whole, to yeah, that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's going to be other challenges for right, us, you know. Right, right. And I hear from everybody across the board. Once those girls start going through their puberty and all that kind of stuff, yeah, and their adolescent stage. So what, it's different for everybody. Some girls it could start at ten. Some girls it could start at thirteen. But whatever it is, there's like a five year window, man, where they don't, you know, they really drift away from dad. Well, that's you when know? you're gonna need to drift away. <laughs> 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 they drift away. You drift away. Everybody's away. <laughs> I, I, I gotta tell you, I mean, there's like, and, and that's that to me. You you know, you think to yourself, no, not my girls, not not me and my oh, kids, absolutely man, not. right? You, you know, but but you know, you could see how that goes. Dad becomes. 
you know, everything becomes private. They start feeling differently. They have emotions and hormones and everything. And then dad becomes kind of like that awkward. There's an awkward dynamic. You don't want your dad to see you in like bathing you know, suit. Right, right. Those types of things. Right, and dad's right. embarrassing, you, you know, right, right, right. with your friends and your girlfriends. You know, it right, just right, gets right. weird, I think, from yeah, what I've heard. Listen, you have good you know, insight. What can I you think. do? Yeah. Well, I think that'll be interesting. And I think that's where we're really going to have to lean on our wives. And oh, for and sure. And that's where we're lucky, actually. Yeah. Because I think we both, Yana and Barry, I think are very um, – they're present and engaged and they're um, emotive and I think they get it. Um, they have a sense of what it's like to be a woman in today's world and uh, what it's like to grow up in, with, you know, those pressures as a woman. And I think they have good level heads. Um, sure. And so uh, I think we're lucky in that way. Yeah, we're well, fortunate. Be, being present and engaged, like you say, that is key. And, how and, challenging and, is that? After a long day at work, it's, it's, isn't it's that hard? Extremely hard, man. So the whole thing is hard. Yeah. The whole, even the even the easy stuff. It just when you when you pile it all up on a daily basis, yeah. you pile all your your responsibilities up, yeah. and. Then the, the the emotions that are involved, you know, you want to give your wife as much time as you can. You want to give your kids as much time as you can. I mean, I've got a fucking dog, too. And don't you know? f- forget about self-care. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I, we squashed that. Brody wanted you a know, dog. Like, and I'm like, and then, I'm, and like, I'm not still, waking up at 430 want, to walk the dog. And I still dog. want time for myself, That's man. The, That's critical. the thing. Like what you just yeah, talked right. about. The, the workout. Right. The release. Or going and meet your buddy for yeah. a drink. Or, or a podcast. Or, whatever. you know, all of that. Like, uh you know, yeah. I mean, you gotta take, you got, you gotta practice self care, and it's so hard when. And, and our wives, I know, feel this way too. Mm-hmm. They're, you're constantly caring for others. You right? have, yeah, you have, and to, you, you don't take time. You for have yourself. to take time for yourself right? too. I mean, Yana just posted a pretty powerful video of uh, Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay. Of, you know, Will Smith's wife. Okay. And it was basically that, like, take, you know, in order to be the best version of you. Yeah. In order for your family to get the best version of you, or your friends, and your work, everything, you need it needs to start within. Yes. If you're not making yourself happy, if you're not loving yourself, how can you love Anybody everyone have... else to the same level, man? That's exactly right. The level that they deserve. Exactly... It needs to start right here. Starts. Everything starts within. Everything. Really. Everything. Because yeah. because yeah. otherwise, otherwise, if you do it the other way and everything starts on the outside, um, first off, your your the relationships, your family and your friends are not getting the full version of you that they should be, the best version of you, not even close to the optimal version of you, right? I agree. And ultimately what it ends up doing is your world comes crashing down at some point, you know, because you realize, holy shit, I've, I, I, I stopped Caring thinking for about myself. Start thinking yeah. about me. You got to yeah. think about yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely right. You have actually ever uh, you have a responsibility to start. There. You have to. You have to start there, and that's how you define character, right? That's one of the ways, anyways, is sort of self care and taking responsibility for yourself and your own actions, and then engaging in the world around that and mm-hmm. your principles and philosophies. And I think that um, I like talking to you about this stuff because you have you have this background, you have this understanding, you know, yeah, well, the psychological psychiatry background. You know, it, ca- it comes from from obviously experience working with people in troubling situations, and then you know formal training for what that's worth, and just a voracious reading. I mean, just. A uh, period of time when there was just a ton of reading going on, a couple books a week type of thing, mm-hmm. um, and just a thirst for knowledge. Um, so, you know, I, I think that you're right on point, though. Um, yeah. It was a powerful video. It was great. Really? I thought it was great. Well, you know, Instagram or something like it's that? It's on Facebook, yeah. yeah. You know, or you can see it anywhere. You just Google Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, yeah. you know, put yourself first or really? something like that. Yeah, it's, it's about seven minutes long. It was great. Did I send you the, uh, that, that commercial? Um, uh, uh, the pharmaceutical. Uh, I don't. What you was sent that me a bunch of them. Did you watch that one? Which one was it? Which one was that? It was. Uh, 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 oh God, I'm, it's escaping me. It was. Uh, it was a pharmaceutical. Commercial? Yeah, it was like a fake pharmaceutical. What was it? Uh, uh, we'll have to talk it. about. I'm pulling it up. Yeah. To see if there's anything in here that you've. Uh, oh, d- you ha- Oh, yeah. No, it was hysterical. It's, it's not. It was uh, I don't, I don't oh, think oh, it's a, a fucking break. Take a fucking break. Oh, I'll take a fucking break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got you that. You got yeah. that? Well, that's got so that good. From, I got that from a few people. <laughs> right, right. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I got that from a few people. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, take take a fucking. <laughs> Do you not feel like yourself anymore? <laughs> right. Do you not know who you are? Right. You're racking up bills. Right. Do not take a fucking break take when you're alone with your kids <laughs> and you're, you're responsible for them. 
Oh, Make sure you man. check with your spouse before you take a fucking Hey, man, before we yeah. finish off, sure. tell us uh, where we could reach, where people could find you, your, your website, all that stuff. Uh, so it's clevelandpaincare.com. Um, uh, you know, uh, you can find me in my Beachwood West Lake or Chardon office. Clevelandpaincare.com. Clevelandpaincare.com. You guys do any social media or not? Not really. We do. We're actually setting. We're launching a marketing campaign. Actually, a big marketing campaign with Fox News. Really uh, nice, man. Yeah, we're gonna have. Uh, I think it's sixty-five commercials a month, uh, wow. and a whole digital marketing thing too. Um, get the message out there about what we're doing and all the work we're trying to do and. Uh, so it's really exciting. I'm not sure when it's going to launch. Okay, so the social media stuff's in process, but uh, we have some, but stuff. nothing active. Nothing crazy. It's right going to start yeah. now. I think we're going to start like a YouTube channel or something yeah, like that. You know, to make make people aware. Yeah. Show what's going on. I think yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, man. that's beautiful. I'm going to need a lot more help if we get if we get. Hey, busier. man, that's a good that's a good thing. <laughs> you want to go back to med school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're right. hiring. I just told you I was done with school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, hey, man, I'm happy to see what you're doing. I'm pumped up. That I can't believe it's been a year yeah it's awesome uh, it's been a yeah. year already I'm, that just so goes by so amazing. fast i would never think we were at this point and, at this point. and 12 months into it now you're opening your third location so fortunate we're lucky you know we have some good great. partners hey man yeah. you're a phenomenal doctor you're good at oh, what you do you. the patients love you um i love you thanks for coming i love you too man this will be uh this will be a recurring i'm happy to be guest, here everybody this yeah. is going to be a recurring guest doctor Eight. I call him Brother H. Brother, <laughs> gotta get that in there. Dr. Adam Hadea, check him out. ClevelandPainCare.com. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon.